Good morning, good morning. I hope we're doing all right this morning. Sorry, it's my fault. Well, actually, no, it's not. It's the Father's fault for changing it up and mashing it up a little bit this morning. So you're just going to have to go with it. And if you've got any complaints, don't bring it to us. Bring it to him. Amen. I'm just being obedient. It is such a joy to be with you guys this morning, and even more so after last week. Those of you that weren't with us at Ashburnham, there was a gaping hole that had your name on it. So when we do it again, please come and be with us, because you were really missed. It was so important this week for us all to be together again. Um, yeah, even more so because you guys weren't with us. So it's even more important this morning for us to be together. There's no separation, us and them. We're one family of Christ. Amen. Amen. So I get the joy and the privilege to bring our series on community to a close. So we've heard about forgiveness, generosity, shared responsibility, transformation, encouragement, and this morning I'll be handling honesty. Yeah. I feel a few bums shuffling, a bit of uncomfortableness. Well, I hear you, because honesty is not something that anyone finds easy. You know, being honest with each other and honest with ourselves can leave us feeling pretty raw. And I don't know about you, but pretty naked. That's not something you hear very often up here about getting naked, but it's true. You feel totally stripped bare before the people that you share with and then... If you're anything like me, you kind of want to run off into a very dark hole and hide yourself and pretend it never happened. I'm sure that um, some people's honesty has uh, really hurt you. And I'm also very sure that there are some people here that have been really hurt as they're the ones that have been trying to be honest with other people. Well, being a family, so I'm going to change this up because we're all about community, but... I struggle with the word community because I actually feel we're called to be a family. So I'm going to change it up and we're going to be family, okay? So just to make it clear, community, family, same thing. I just love the word family. Well, we're being called, are we not, to be the family of Jesus Christ. And that means doing life together, sharing all we have and committing to each other. That's calling us to love one another, forgive each other and being open and honest. And without these, I'd say we're not really being family. Now, I know that um, the word family is going to be really challenging for some people. Because we're not all born into a perfect family, are we? And when you hear the word family, you're going to instantly think about your flesh, your DNA family. And that always isn't, yeah, that isn't always great. That doesn't always reflect the family that uh, Jesus calls us to be. The moment we accepted Jesus as our saviour, we were adopted into the family of Christ. Well, hallelujah to that, I say. In Galatians 3.26, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say in Galatians 4.4.7, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. Good news. If your flesh, DNA family have let you down, well, the second you believed in Jesus, you belong to him. 
No doubt about it. No messing around. So don't feel, oh, family. Actually, we need to start learning what it is to be the family of Jesus Christ in all perfection and all that that is. Now, this family shouldn't look like anything this world has to offer. This is the family of Christ I'm talking about. The love, truth, the relationships our DNA family can give us, you know, it might be great, but it's still not close, anywhere close to being in the fullness of being a part of Jesus's family. And being part of that formless, you know, in all its fullness is going to cost. And I don't know about you, but over the last few months with what everyone's been preaching about on this journey of community, I think it's costiness. It's costiness. And honesty, I think, is going to cost us even more. Now, honesty, it comes in different forms. There's honesty with others. There's being honest with ourselves. And there's also being honest with Dad, our God. I'm going to give you a bit of a heads up. If I call him Dad, I'm talking about Heavenly God. Um, those of you who are in Ashburnham, there was a bit of a challenge of where we deal and how we relate to God. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background that um, I was at a Father Heart conference and um, God said to me, Jodie, you need to start calling me Daddy. Man, that was the most uncomfortable thing I think I've ever heard. I was a bit like, whoa, he's God. How do I call him Daddy? So I had these two inner battles. One of them was, A, I can't call him God, I can't call him daddy. And the other was, actually, I have a daddy who I absolutely adore. My earthly daddy is incredible. I am his little princess. I'm 40 next year and I still am his little princess. Don't think that's ever going to change. So I had this real battle and he kept saying to me, Joey, you've got to keep asking and calling me daddy. When you talk to me and you ask me for something, call me daddy. And it took me about a year to do it. And now that's all I call him. So forgive me if that upsets anybody, but that is who my heavenly father is, who Jesus is. He's my daddy. So when I speak about dad, that's who I'm talking about this morning. So, I remember having this very heated conversation, this is about honesty, with a male friend of mine. And uh, I remember him telling me that um, women don't really want honesty. Yeah. He said, uh, us men have to work very, very hard at working out what you want us to say and not really speaking truth. I knew a few men would laugh, especially you, Craig. If only Emma was in here, huh? He said to me, I mean, this is very generic, but he said to me, um, you know, when you women ask, you know, does my bum look big in this or what do you think of my new outfit? He can't actually tell the woman the truth. He has to kind of think, okay, what, what, what can I say? What can I say that's going to make her feel better? Well, um, I totally disagreed. Anyone that knows me will know that that's absolute bull in my life. Give me the honesty. I'd far rather that. And he laughed in my face and said, you women are too insecure to know what men really think. Yeah. Well, you can imagine how that conversation went. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? It did make me think. Is there some truth in that? Do we really want to hear the honest answer when we ask the question? Or would we just like our ego or our hearts or feelings stroked? I think it's a good question. I think it's a good question to ask. If we're asking a question, what answer are we looking for? And are we really ready to hear somebody's truth? 
you know, too many, too many times, and I think my husband, bless him, could probably, yeah, my lovely Andy over there will probably be able to relate to this. Too many times have I been in a bad mood. I've been ticked off by something. It's got me really grumpy. In comes my husband. I'll ask him a question. He doesn't give me the answer that I'm looking for, and then I blame him, and I absolutely lose it. Please tell me that's not just me, women. Oh, thanks, Kate. My lovely friend in the yellow going, that's me, that's me. And actually, that wasn't fair. Because if I'm really honest with myself, maybe I shouldn't have asked the question in that moment. Because actually, what he was telling me was truth, but I just didn't want to hear it. Now, don't get me wrong. We do not have the right to slam dunk people with our so-called honesty. I mean, if Andy had answered the question about what he thought about my new outfit, and he said, babe, you look horrendous, I'm not thinking he'd get a very good response from me. You know, we need to think about the way that we bring our truth to each other. He could easily say, babe, it's not doing you any favours, and it's not my favourite outfit of yours. You know, I'd have to still suck that up. I'd be disappointed. But you know what? I think that, well, I know, because my husband's very blunt, um, but he always says it with love. I'd actually have to suck that up, be very disappointed, but get over it, and actually be thankful for his honesty. And actually, our relationship over the last eight years have grown because he will actually bring that truth and that honesty to me. There's also the difference of not only being very careful with what we bring and how we bring it, but actually, don't lie. Man, we're good at that. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I'm not going to tell them the truth and I'll just blatantly lie. Well, as a family of Jesus Christ, we need to stop lying and we need to start bringing truth. But we need to bring words of loving truth and honesty to each other. You know, if we want to cheer people on in our walks with dad, then we need to speak it. We need to speak that honesty and that truth because none of us are going to develop and grow if we all just lie to each other. It's not going to happen. The biggest growth in my life has been with one of my dear friends who's here today. We've done 15 years together and there isn't anything that we haven't done or said to each other that at times has caused us to hurt. But praise God, we're both godly women that we've heard it. We've sucked it up. We've taken it back before God. And now we have a deep-rooted relationship where she is my sister. She's not my DNA sister, but she's my sister in Jesus. And that is only because we have literally been so honest with each other that it's hurt. But in a good way. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm very aware church family has been probably some of the most hurtful places for people. And we've let each other down. This is not pointing the finger at anybody or any church or any denomination. This is us as the family of Jesus Christ. We have let each other down by being rude, by being judgmental, by being dismissive and very rejecting of each other. I'd say one of the classic ways we do this, and I'd say this is probably every time on a Sunday morning, is, oh, hi, how are you this morning? How are things? How many of you have said that this morning? And how many of you have been asked that this morning? Can I have a show of hands of how many people have been asked this morning? Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'd say that's a good 90%. How many of you answered, hey, I'm good, thanks. 
when actually you're far from it. You've had the worst morning, your husband's got on your nerves, your children haven't done as they've been told, and actually you've turned up here, you're rough as ragged, and you're sitting your bum down going, seriously, God, I ain't got no time for nothing right now. Were any of you honest with that this morning? Or did you just do the, the generic, I'm good, thanks, all's all right, thanks? And how many of you asked that question this morning and you had absolutely no intention of listening to the answer? You asked the question and you didn't want to know. It's all too easy to come here on a Sunday and pretend you're fine, hide the truth and be very dishonest. And it's also too easy to ask that question when you don't want to hear the answer. So in fact, you're putting on a nice front doing the dumb thing and yet being a little bit dishonest when you ask that question. I'd say one of the saddest things about that situation, hey, morning, how are you? And someone starts answering that and you get the glazed over look. Glazed over, yeah, some of you are, are smiling and actually, how many of us have been on the received end of somebody's glazed look, looking over, and as you're talking, somebody else has walked along and they've just decided to dodge, ditch your conversation and start talking to somebody else? That is hurtful. That is hurtful, family. Don't ask the question. Can I be so bold to challenge us all? Don't ask the question if you don't want to give people that time. We've got to start taking our time together really seriously, have we not? Some of us, we don't get to see each other week by week. And actually, sometimes people might, might not get to spend any other time with Christian people. And yet they come here and they get that kind of response. It's hurtful. So can I put the challenge out there, church family? Don't ask the question. And if you ask, ask the question, can we be honest? Can we say, actually, do you know what? It's been pretty rough. Or do you know what? Life's great. You know, I'm very aware, are you not, that it actually says scripturally that dad, he weeps with us that weep and he rejoices with us that rejoice. So should that not be that what we're doing here this morning, what we're doing in our life groups, what we're doing any time we meet up together? I love these verses in Romans 12, 9 to 16. Don't just to pretend to love others. Oh, that's punchy. I love it. I'm going to say it again. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud to enjoy company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I mean, there's a few punches in there, people. I mean, there's a great challenge, and I love that. Don't just pretend to love each other. So when you come here on a Sunday morning and you want to ask somebody the question, how you're doing? A, love that person enough to stop and to hear them. And B, if you're asked it, be honest. Amen?
I really believe that without the honesty, we aren't living in the full light and the freedom of Jesus. And it's something we need to learn how to be with each other, with ourselves and with dad. Now, Jesus spoke about the truth setting people free. Now, I get that he's talking about him, that people know that he's the truth and that that will set people free. But I don't know about you guys, but time and time again, in my own life and in the life of others, that as soon as people allow truth in, it does, it sets them free. Now, I'm not going to say anything that you guys don't already know here, but the enemy, he is the master of lies. His whole plan is telling us not to say anything, to keep your thoughts, emotions, and your actions hidden. Don't tell anyone. They won't get you. You know, what are they going to think of you? They won't understand. What do you think they're going to do to you? Any of that ring true? I've had the joy of walking some people through um, some accountability and walking them through a journey of confession. And it's pretty scary. And even more so when they didn't really know me and they've come up and they've said, I feel like I need to get some accountability and I've gone okay. I have to say somebody particularly asked me when I was heavily pregnant with Otto, thinking that they might get away with the fact that I'd say, no, thanks, I'm too busy. And yeah, when I turned around and said, absolutely, let's go and do some life together, their jaw hit the floor and thought, damn, I thought I was going to get away with that. Each time they've come and they've opened up, they have shared a part of their heart. They've allowed me into a dark place, essentially letting the father into their dark place. The freedom in those people has been phenomenal. And it has been such a joy and such a privilege to walk through that journey with them. That cost them. They had no idea really who I was. And they were letting me into a really dark place. But what they didn't realize is that actually half the time I could turn around and say, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I get that. And actually, if I hadn't done it myself or been there myself, actually, I'd been there with somebody else in my family or other friends. That's just the grace of our father. The enemy wanted to keep those people bound in darkness, living in their own minds, living in their own hearts, bound, 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 don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone, you're going to keep doing it, keep doing it, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. The second they walk into that place, they're going, God, I can't do this anymore. The second they walk out and they realize that they're not the only one and they're not alone. So I've had the greatest of joys of partnering with them and they are now some really great friends of mine. And to see them free is just astounding and humbling and it just shows you more and more and more of the character and the love of Jesus and you know what they're not perfect they're not perfect we don't all of a sudden confess our sins and everything's going to be a-okay that's also a lie it's a journey that you have to keep walking but with somebody with you and you know what every time that they go into a dark place guess what they pick up the phone and they know they're not alone That's the joy of honesty, family. That's the joy of being here with each other, that there should be no judgment. There should be no holding people back with our, well, I wouldn't be doing that. And should you really be doing that as a Christian? Who cares? We are all children of God and we come with our flaws. But you know, the scariest thing is, is when you come with those flaws and you hide them. The only person that's missing out is you. You're the one that's missing out on the freedom of Jesus. I've also put myself out there. 
and I've let some people into my hidden places. And you know when I was talking before about being naked? Ooh, yeah. I went in the room fully clothed, and all of a sudden I'm just completely naked in front of them, going, oh my goodness, I've just let them in, what are they going to do? And if you want real honesty, stood here today is, yeah, this is a pretty vulnerable thing to do up here. Being in TWCF um, has been a huge challenge for me. I came here three and a bit years ago with 14 years of hurt. 14 years of damage and hurt from previous churches. And um, yeah, I came in here still in my cage. I was a broken winged bird. Show what I'm going to read this because uh, yeah, I'm going to read this off here. Otherwise, I'm just going to blub. Um, okay, so I'd been a very broken winged bird for a long time, and I came here because Dad called us here as a family. Almost straight away, Stuart started speaking life into that cage, and he had absolutely no clue he was doing it. But he was speaking life over my broken wings. The more love and honesty I saw from him and others here, the more I started to go there with myself and let people in. And this church family has been the place Dad has called me out of my cage and he set me free. I've been honest with myself and all my hurts and brokenness are continuing to be healed up. Continuing. It's not a done deal. I'm still walking in it. Even this morning I'm walking in it being up here with you guys. This makes me feel totally naked and raw before you. And there's probably not somebody that's up here, whether they're a worship leader or whether they're preaching or whether they're emceeing, that doesn't feel exactly the same. It's no joke up here. We don't come up here hopping and skipping and thinking we're all that. We're all up here, pretty flawed, being obedient. I never thought I'd be stood here talking to you, lovely lot, but being pushed by my heavenly dad and Andy... Can I just say, what is it about some people? My husband would never do it, but all of a sudden he turned around to Stuart and he said, oi, my wife needs a word with you. <laughs> Thanks, husband. Yeah, waving in the back. The boldness of the man. I remember it vividly. stood at the back. Stuart came over to say, how are you doing? And he was like, oh, Stuart, she needs a word with you. Sort out a meeting this week. And because of that, going there and having a chat with him and being very, very honest with what I felt the Lord was saying and literally putting myself out there, here I am in front of you. And I never, ever thought after 14 years plus of being this damaged, broken winged bird that I would be here doing anything in front of you guys. Now, the enemy, he works really hard at tearing down unity. It's his job. What he's out looking for every day. He's even prowling around this church right now, waiting. And actually, the word says that he's going to be in the midst of our churches. So don't be surprised if you're not sitting there and you've got words going around your head, shutting you down, not wanting you to listen. Don't be surprised. He works hard at tearing down unity, especially with the family of God. He wants nothing more for us to not love one another, to not tell someone they've hurt you that you've been let down by them because he doesn't want you to hear their sorry and he doesn't want you to hear that oh my goodness I'm so sorry I didn't even know that I did that to you he doesn't want the family of God to look different to the world around us he doesn't want healing and restoration he wants us bound in secrets bound in loneliness bound in lies and so bound by your own thoughts that you can't see the blue skies around you 
honesty costs us. Costs us. And it's going to take us to the edge of ourselves. But you know what, boy, it's great when you do it. Being honest with anyone is really rough, but being real with ourselves and taking that to dad is something quite different. We've taught over the generations to kind of come in prayer with this sort of this holiness. You know, this kind of, I can't pray about tough stuff and whinge and moan about that. I've got to come praying for other people and focusing on the positive. Well, there's a few people in the Bible that does the complete opposite. You know, there's David and there's Job. Oh my goodness, how many of you read Psalms? God, yes, amen. That's speaking what my heart is full of and it's dreariness. It's like, where have you gone? What are you doing? Have you forgotten me? I love it. It's raw, it's real. It's David pouring out his heart. And Job, what are you doing? You've taken away my life. You've taken away my kids and my wife and my livestock and my home and now my friends. What are you doing? And then there's Jesus, the son of God himself, in Matthew 27, 46, he's on the cross and he shouts, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You don't get more real than that. That's the son of God. You know exactly who he was. And there he was on the cross in the most agony that any of us will ever feel. Please, Lord, I don't want to feel that agony. And there he is, knowing who he is, but still yet he's crying out, God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you leaving me here? Come, do something. If that's Jesus, can you cut yourself some slack? Can you cut yourself some slack with the Father and go there in your prayer life and start being really real and really honest? Going before him with your disappointment, going before him with your hurt and your pain and your questions. It's only as you are really honest and you're really laid bare before the Father that you're ever going to really know the full facet of his love. If you're not real with him, how do you think he's going to be real with you? He actually knows all things. He knows it. It's, it's already there. He knows it. He's just waiting for you to come and be real with him. He's waiting for you to sit in a place with him and let it out. I mean, I say a lot at times and my friends are a little bit like, oh, here she goes again, the dam. Smash the dam. Take a sledgehammer to it, smash it and allow the waters to come through. Be real with the Father. Go there with him. Tell him what you are feeling, what you are thinking, how you are angry. Do you know what? He's got broad enough shoulders to take it. He's relational. He's no different from me saying to Andy and sharing with him or my friend or my family being real. He's no different. The difference he is is the almighty. The difference is he can catch it and he can sort it for you. The difference is he's got freedom there for you and he's going to show you a new way. But guys, can I really encourage you? Get real. Get real. Get real like David and Job and Jesus. Get real with our dad. Go there with your disappointment. So, how do we begin to put all of this stuff into practice? This being honest with each other. This being honest with ourselves and being honest with him. So, how do we do all of that? I think it's pretty simple. 
can we start with him and then trust him? And trust him when he starts speaking to us to let things out. Everything starts with him. He is the beginning, he is the middle, and he is the end. There's no magic formula. I'm not up here with all the answers. I'm just journeying this out as much as you guys are. But it starts with him. Can we start to live as Jesus calls us to? Can we choose to forgive each other? Can we choose to let each other in? Can we choose to be trustworthy people? Family, we need to do something and look different to what's out there in the world. No one's flocking here. No one's flocking here. But I tell you what, when we start really being the identity of Jesus Christ, we aren't going to be able to hold them all. The world is desperate to belong to a family. And we've got to start being family to each other. The disciples and all of those back in Jesus' time, they were sending up everything to put into a pot to make sure that we were all right. How many here couldn't pay their mortgage? But nobody in the church knew about it because you were too ashamed to come before to say, I'm struggling. How many here have got nothing for their kids as they go to school and they're struggling to know where their money's going to come from to get their kids' school shoes? How many are struggling with mental health but not actually telling anyone and actually the cloud's getting blacker and blacker and blacker? The world out there, they do all of that. We're a family of Jesus Christ and we've got to start being real with each other that we might be able to fill those gaps, fill those holes, love on each other extravagantly. But it starts with being really real and really honest. And when we do that, they're going to flock to a family like that. I don't know about you, but when I've got real family, my friends, they do life with me in a way that just kind of strips everything bare. And that's the only place I want to be. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect at this. But can we at least try to be open and honest with each other? Can we start to really go there and make ourselves vulnerable with each other? Now, we can't do this in our human strength. And like I've said before, it all starts and finishes with God. So we kind of need to ask him, do we not to come and teach us how to be honest, teach us how to be vulnerable, teach us how to be raw, teach us how to be trusting of others and how to be trustworthy as a people. And we need to ask him to fill us with the strength and courage to do it, do we not? And we definitely need to ask him to give us the boldness. It's the scariest thing when you have to stand up here or stand in front of somebody and confess how you're feeling and what's going on in your life. Can I encourage you to do it? Because it's amazing when you do. To have someone partner with you in it is incredible. And have Jesus in it even more so is an awesome, incredible thing. So you're very aware that we've changed things up a little bit this morning. I was spending time with Dad asking him what he wanted me to bring. And I felt strongly that um, we needed to spend this time sharing communion together. Now, I know that those of us that were away last weekend, we've already done it. Well, you get the joy of sharing it with family again. You know, it was one of the biggest 
and the most important sharings that Jesus did. And as I was reading through it, I was really drawn between the relationship between Jesus and Judas. You know, as we know, Jesus knew. He knew what was coming. But he decided that he was going to take off his robe, get on his hands and knees, and he was going to wash the disciples' feet. He knew exactly who Judas was. And he knew exactly what Judas was about to do. Yet still he got down on his knees and he washed Judas' feet. And he then went on and gave Judas his body and his blood, the bread and the wine. And afterwards he said to Judas, now go. Go do what you've got to do. Jesus knew everything. He does know it all. And he still chooses to wash their feet and to give up his body. I'm just going to read this from John 13, 1, 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He'd loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, protest Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then you wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who brings the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. This is where some of you are going to feel really vulnerable because the thought of taking your socks and your shoes off and you haven't got clipped toenails and your chipped nail varnish is probably running through your head right now. Who cares? Your feet cannot be any worse than the disciples that were walking around in sandal with horse manure, cow manure. They would have had straw. They'd have had all sorts stuck under those toenails and under those feet. And Jesus got down and dirty with them. That's the son of God. That's our savior. So can I politely say, get over the state of your feet and get real with each other. We're family, are we not? 
This morning, we've changed it up so that we would have more ministry time because I really feel the Father wants to do some business with us this morning. He wants to lavish some love on us as we lavish love on each other. This incredible meal that we get to share, it blows my mind every time we get to share it. It's humbling, but even more so when Jesus, the Son of God, took off his robe, got on his hands and knees, and he scrubbed. No, he didn't, I'm lying. He just washed the feet of his disciples, the ones that he loved, and then went on and said, I've left you as an example. Now do as I have done here. How real do we want to be with each other? How vulnerable do we want to make ourselves? Vulnerable enough to get your unmanicured, unpedicured feet out of your shoes and your socks and have somebody wash them for you. Dad wants us to live in freedom together and to be his family, his heart on earth, his hands and feet on earth, and his love on earth. This past couple of months, he's showing us and teaching us what it looks like to be his family. Are you in? Seriously, are you in? Do you want it? Do you want to belong to the family of Jesus Christ? Well, then may this morning this be the start of a new wave, a fresh wave over TWCF as we share this together. The guys are going to come, they're going to lead worship, and it's going to be a time where you get freedom. There's communion here. At this table, just communion. And then at the three corners, there is a bucket, which I hope my lovely husband has filled up for us with some beautiful oils in there. And then we have one of these. I'm going to do this so that you guys aren't freaking out about what people are going to do to your feet. You know, my husband hates feet. He hates my feet. I mean, he'd already been a little bit like, babe, do I have to wash your feet? I'm like, heck yeah, you're my husband. You know, when it, this is not bathing your feet and people scrubbing under your toenails, just putting it out there, okay? So you literally scoop the water into here, you put your feet in the bucket, and you allow people to pour it over your feet, and then there's towels. It's intimate without making you guys too scared. Does that sound about all right? There's also... Is there communion on those tables as well? Okay. So Stuart's going to um, lead us into communion, and then we're going to have some communion at some of the tables. So if you feel this is something you want to walk through with somebody, please feel free. It's all set up for you. It's your time to go and do some business. And can I also encourage you that if there's anybody here that needs to forgive someone, go do it. And if you're somebody that needs to ask forgiveness, go do it. Let's get real with each other. Let's start today. Let's draw a line. The wonder of the line. We got to do that last week. How many of you left so much stuff behind that line and they've run past it and it's like, oh, it's still there. So may there be this line that's drawn today as a family, TWCF, None of this South and Central business. We are TWCF. We are one unit. We are one family. May we draw that line. May we do that intimacy with each other. May we share the communion. It is going to be a serve yourself. So you can come up and do this in your own time with who you want. But let's get real with each other this morning, family.
Do you want to lead us into communion? So as Joey just said, there'll be an opportunity to come and receive either or to receive communion either at this table or at the different stations around. You're welcome to come by yourself or to bring people with you. Um, but I want to lead us all now in a time of just pondering what it is that Jesus did for us. Joey has led us up to this point so beautifully. But I just want to read a, a moment of scripture and uh, then we'll pray. It says this. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12 disciples. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating here with me will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one? He replied, it's one of you 12 who's eating from the bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays me. It'd be far better for that man if he'd never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not hold back the bread or the wine from any of your disciples, even the one that would betray you. And Lord, in the same way, we thank you that none of us have uh, sinned to such an extent that you're saying to us, you are no longer welcome in my family. Your invitation extends to each one of us to come today, to be one with you, to be open and real before you, to acknowledge our ongoing need of you and your ongoing rescue of us. And we thank you, Lord, that you have begun a rescue of us. You have saved us. You've wiped away our sin. It no longer stains us. You've set us free. And we thank you, Lord, that your ongoing work will continue for all of our days. And we pray in this place of honesty and safety, we would meet with you again. As we come before you now, as we walk with each other and we say, Lord, we need you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We love you. Amen. So as, um, as Mark and Claire and the team worship, this is now just your time there's no restriction on time. This is now your time to worship or not. Take communion or not. Wash feet or not. This is now your space and your time to just do some stuff with God. I'm, I'm just going to pray. Daddy God, we come before you, humbled by your love for us, humbled that you sent Jesus to set us free from what the world has to offer, as you knew it wasn't good. Thank you that you don't ever call us to be or do anything that isn't good or good for others. Thank you that you are who you say you are. Dad, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you. Help us to be a family of honesty and a family that is real with each other, willing to go there with each other. Teach us how. Teach us how to walk this out. Help us to love each other like you love Jesus.
Teach us how to listen to each other, to see each other, and to step in when needed. Oh, Dad, we really need you to come and help us grow as a family, to be as you have always wanted us to be. We give you full permission to come into this area of our church family and do what's needed to bring freedom and honesty. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.